Hello, and welcome to Celebrate Like a CEO. I am your host, Stefan Whitwell, Austin-based CEO of Whitwell & Company, a nationwide wealth management firm. Every Monday, I bring on some of the brightest and best business owners and CEOs in the country to talk shop, get their insights on how to run a successful business, and importantly, how to succeed without burning out by taking the time to celebrate. Now, let's get to today's show. Today, we have an Austin-based owner and CEO joining us by the name of Bryce Young. Bryce started his business, Warm Audio, roughly 12 years ago and has built it into a global powerhouse in the pro audio business, where he manufactures and sells quality audio recording equipment, but at prices that are affordable to the average person. Bryce is a father, a husband, a man of faith, a musician, and an avid collector of vinyl albums. Let's welcome Bryce Young to Celebrate Like a CEO. Welcome to Celebrate Like a CEO. Bryce, I am so thrilled to have you here today. Thanks for making time amidst your your schedule to to join us here for a few minutes today. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So uh, I've only known you uh, kind of the last two or three years, but Mm -hmm. if I had met you, Bryce, when you were, say, five or six years old, and asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, how would you have answered that? I would have probably said I have no idea. Um, yeah, I probably would have wanted to be a professional sports player or, or something like that. Um, you know, like a lot of kids. Um, probably wasn't. Your, yeah, go ahead. Well, what were your favorite sports growing up that you uh, most I enjoyed play, watching? Yeah, I played playing? soccer. I played soccer. I grew up in Wisconsin, so I, I watched the Packers. So I did like football a little bit. But um, yeah, it probably wasn't until my teenage years that I got into music, really. So. And have you seen, speaking of soccer, have you been to the new new stadium here yet? And seen a game there? I've heard about it. My son uh, went with a friend. I have not been, but it looks really cool. I need to go. Well, maybe uh, maybe we'll have to go together. I've, I've been there for a rugby game, of all things. Okay. Uh, but I have yet to go for a soccer game, and I love, love watching soccer. So... Um, can't something on my list for this year. Sure. Now, you run um, Warm Audio, mm-hmm. a, uh, a a business that touches many different aspects of music. Um, give us a thirty second, you know, kind of overview of 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 what you're doing in your company today, and how did you get into that business? Yeah, I'd say the um, the quick and short answer is we manufacture microphones, preamps, compressors, uh, products that are used for people that want to record music um, and and record podcasts, things like this, too. Um, what makes us unique in the market is until our brand came around, you either purchased very expensive, great sounding equipment or you purchased very affordable, cheap, mediocre, OK sounding equipment. And so there was this kind of gap of all the wealthy people and the people that had record deals could sound great. And all the people that were just starting musicians never really sounded very good in their recordings. And so we've kind of bridged that, bridged that gap. Um, you also asked how I got into it. Um, I got into that because I was in a band in high school. Uh, I played guitar. 
I went into a budget studio in Madison, Wisconsin, where I grew up. And I wasn't really pleased with the recording quality. I thought, because all I'd listened to were like great sounding records my whole life. I thought my band would walk in, we'd record, we'd come out, and this record would sound beautiful, like a you know, million dollar <laughs> record kind of thing. And then I was like, oh, like recordings exist that sound bad. Like, wow, this sounds not very good. And um, so we went to a, a second studio that was very budget. You know, we didn't have a lot of money as kids. Um, same result. And I was like, I need to learn how to record because this just isn't cool. Like, I want to sound good. So I started um, buying low cost microphones, um, and things and, and trying to figure out how to record myself. That's kind of how it all began. So how fun. What was the name of your band? Uh, really bad name. It's a, it was zebra tree and it was, we couldn't think of a name and there was this painting of a zebra standing next to a tree in, in my drummer's basement. We're like, there you go. There's the band name. <laughs> so. I love it. I, I, there's something about band names. Like I, they're just so cool, random, creative, uh, so I, I had to ask. Yeah. Now, okay. uh, so your business is pretty sizable. You've got a, a good sized team. How many people do you have on your team now? Um, it's about 25. Yeah. Total. So, you know, and especially when you think about manufacturing um, and selling uh, and fulfilling delivery orders, there's so many different roles that as a business owner, so many different hats that you wear especially in the beginning days when you're wearing all the hats. Um, and I'm sure you're still wearing multiple hats. Which of the hats that you wear during the day are your favorite that you most, most enjoy wearing? I'd say uh, new product development. Um, and, and we do mostly recreations. So we're not thinking of the greatest new idea. We're saying, hey, everybody loves that particular microphone that was really popular in the 60s or whatever. And people are paying big dollars for it. We should recreate that. Can we build that and make it just as good at a lower price? And so um, what's great about a lot of these old circuits is it, all the IP is open and available now. It's not protected anymore. And so we can huh. find schematics and circuits online. And, and it just it's just fun. Even though we're some might look at us as a, as a copycat brand, we look at ourselves as a brand that's bringing great quality to the masses. And um, so it's, it's just exciting. Like, did people ever think this was possible at this price point? Let's do it. And so I love digging into circuits and figuring out what, what the next product is. The, you know, I mean, and, and that, that hi-fi stuff gets so expensive. I mean, just, I mean, crazy expensive. Uh, you know, you've shared with me offline what, what some of the, you know, the high, high-end studio equipment costs. And it just, it blows my mind. I mean, just unimaginably expensive yet everybody loves music so um you know i uh i think being able to make it more accessible to everybody uh, it, it really um it makes a ton of sense and i as I, I play violin not very well but i from uh my years of playing i i agree with you like the quality of the sound to me makes a huge difference if I hear music on where the quality is just so terrible, it, it even though I love music, it makes me want to just flee. Uh, so that sound quality can make all the difference difference in the world. Yeah, like I love old. Uh, I, my favorite era is probably 1967 to 1972. It's kind of weird because I'm 40 years old. You wouldn't think that I'd be into that era, but I just love the music from those five years. And, and obviously around that too. I like earlier 60s, 70s, 80s, even 90s and stuff. But um the music in that era, 67 to 72, a lot of it wasn't recorded super great. Um, and so having great equipment 
to listen to it on, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I enjoy these recordings so much more. So anyways, I'm I'm validating your opinion about listening to music. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's a great song, if it's recorded poorly or you're listening to it on poor speakers, it like takes that experience and brings it way down. Yeah. Yeah, it just kind of kills it. Yeah. Um, so, so question about um, on the business side, uh, you know, when you're when the size of business that, that Orm Audio is and you've got 25 people, it's too big to wing it. Um, do you guys use uh, like EOS or OKRs or some kind of a framework? How, how do you kind of do goal setting and planning in your business? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we um, base goals on uh, really revenue growth. So that's the number one thing is say, okay, we did this. We're going to release these new products. New products in these certain categories typically bring in X amount of revenue. We also want to increase revenue on our older products that have been out a few years. How do we increase that? Let's set a goal here. Um, and then we look at certain territories that may not be performing as well, like uh, China or Japan. Those are two territories we're focusing on to grow. Um, but no, it's... Um, it's a small enough industry. I think last I looked, it was about a $16 billion industry, pro audio. Um, there's not a lot of reporting available. There's not a lot of help from the outside of like, you know, how do I do this? And so you have to <laughs> figure a lot of it out. So luckily I have people working with me that have worked at other companies and they say, hey, when I was at this company, 10% of our revenue was from this country. And we look at our revenue, we go, oh, only 2% of our revenue is from that country. What's going on? And then we maybe ask someone else at your last company, what percentage? Of, yeah, we saw a lot higher revenue in that country. Okay, we're going to focus on that country this year. Things like that. Yeah. Do you plan as your cadence, like you come up with annual plans or quarterly? Or how, how do you guys think about it from a time standpoint? Uh, we come up with an annual number and then we break it into quarters. Yeah. So, so speaking of revenue, what was your very first sale? <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting. I uh, developed this preamp. Well, you could go way back to when I was hand building preamps. I wouldn't consider that. That was like me more tinkering, trying to figure out the business. But once I actually went big and had a hundred of my first preamps manufactured, I called this distributor in New York and I, I had to um, borrow some money from a friend to get those hundred uh, manufactured. I didn't have money. I didn't come from money. My family didn't have much. So a friend lent me the money at a 20% interest rate. So you and I know interest rates. That's not a good interest rate, but it was a lot of risk <laughs> for him because I wired this money uh, to a contract manufacturer to build all these. Called this uh, guy in New York and uh, he happened to pick up the phone. He was the owner of the distribution company. And um, we had a few conversations. I sent him a sample. He checked it out. And I just couldn't believe it. When I finally closed the deal, I was like, all right, well, if you want to be my distributor, how many of these preamps do you want to buy? And he was like, I'll take them all. I was like, all, all 100. <laughs> yes. I was like, it's a real, it's a real business. Okay, cool. Um, that was a pretty good feeling for sure. That, that must've been one of the best phone calls ever. <laughs> well, especially cause he was a hard sell. I mean, he's like a kind of a tough New Yorker and, uh, Luckily, I'd come from about seven years of, of sales of phone, being on the phone, and I was good at being. I, there are a lot of things that lined up, you know, him answering the phone, him liking the product, and me um, selling him and selling myself. A lot of it's, it's you, right? Like, do I want to get into business with somebody that seems a little wishy washy? And luckily, I sold myself okay on the phone. So, man, amazing. Did you celebrate after that? 
How did you, you know, <laughs> yeah, did, I I mean, took, you must I have been on a, cloud nine. What'd you do? Uh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it too. Like I, I, <laughs> I should have just shut up and said, okay, you'll take the first hundred. Great. Um, <laughs> and instead I was like, I was like, well, uh, I want to make sure that you're serious. So can you send me a down payment? They'll be here in a few weeks. Like before I even shipped them to him. And he sent me a down payment too. It was kind of crazy. So I took a picture of the check. Do you have that check hanging in your office it. still? Or? <laughs> I don't know where it is now, but oh. yeah, I should have, right? The uh, So, well, speaking of celebration, you've had many milestones since then. And, uh, and now you've got, you know, a really good team. How do you like to celebrate the wins on your team, whether it's a small win or a big win? What what does celebration look like on your team? That's a good question. Um, I probably need to be a better celebrator. Um, we we don't throw parties very often. I mean, we have like uh, company outings once or twice a year, so I guess that's a little bit of a celebration, and we we get together and have a little powwow. So I would say that's the formal celebrating that we do. The informal celebrating is we, we pat each other on the back. We get excited. Um, one thing that I'm really blessed to have is a team that just wants to win. Like mm. they're just, you know, they've come from other com companies in the industry. They've seen maybe, Hey, these people over here are kind of lazy. They're not really, you know, they're, they're assuming they're going to maintain market share. Let's, let's kick their butts. Like this is going to be a dangerous fun. assumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so they just, they like winning. They like releasing products and seeing it do really well and getting it in all the right stores and getting other brands delisted, moved out of stores and, and ours replaced. So I, I, I'm lucky to have a team that thrives on success. And you can't ask for more than that. No, no, you can't. I, uh, I love to ask about celebration because as an owner, um, you know, contrary to the belief that, uh, you know, uh, manure rolls downhill. As an owner, it often rolls uphill, right? You're the, all the problems come to you. And so a lot of owners just get so busy. And, and there's, especially when you go through years like the last three, where the markets have been up and down, the, you know, the economy is growing and shrinking and change and all sorts of challenges. Um, you know, I, or gosh, just even talk about broader culture today where we seem to be at all, the adult world. Uh, kids are still cool, but adults seem to be like at odds with each other about everything, right? Can't agree on anything. Uh, and so I just feel like celebrating is we, we don't always give ourselves permission as owners to celebrate because there's so many things that we feel urgency to that still need to get done or pulled in a thousand different directions. And I think there's probably also some owners, there's probably all of us have felt this before, but well, if we, if we have a big celebration, will people uh, then get lazy or feel like they don't have to strive as much anymore, you know? And, um, and I think you could probably validate this, that when you have the right team, no, they're going to keep, they're going to keep going at it because they're wired to win. But I, I think those little breaks that we're not often good at taking can be so uplifting, especially today where I feel like, you know, they're just everybody's getting beaten down from all this judgment and arguing and wars and shootings and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I uh, I always love to ask about that. And um, 
and we're so busy, right? I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it seems like everybody I talk to is busier than they've ever been. And I can't necessarily explain why, but have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think celebrating, yeah, there's, it's a, it's a broad word, right? Cause it could mean like, uh, throwing a big celebration. It could mean pats on the back. Um, it can also just mean taking a break for yourself. Um, I travel. Are you, are you, are you good at that? So as I was going to say, I don't travel and like, Hey, we're going to go on a vacation once a quarter and like, or anything crazy like that. We probably go on a vacation once a year, at least maybe twice. Um, but really just taking time throughout the week. So I, I have a vinyl collection. I'm a big record guy. I, I have like a, a vinyl washing cleaning system so I can like get the best mm. sound out of these things. And I'm, I'm very, you know, all the right equipment and stuff. And so, yeah, I've, I've got this little room at my house where sometimes I'll just tuck in there and close the door and clean vinyl and listen to vinyl. And, and it's, it's really healthy for me to not be doing anything that's like power focus, like, okay, how are we going to solve this problem? Because yeah. we're always trying to solve problems and it just, it, it wears you out. It kills you. You have to recharge in some way, but we also, us as entrepreneurs, right? We struggle to just be lazy and, and you know, we, we, we feel lazy, like go laying in the sun for two hours. I feel lazy. Like not that I don't <laughs> do it once in a while, but, but so there's something about, okay, if I'm cleaning and organizing my vinyl collection, I'm being productive, but I'm really not using my brain very much. So that's my, <laughs> my, well, thing. no, look, I mean, we all have different things like that, but it, those, I think those are even more important in some ways than the twice a year vacation. Um, cause what are we doing on a daily basis, you know, or weekly basis could be 15 minutes, could be an hour, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but to just unplug, you know, speaking of, uh, music, um, and, and I can, I can visual, I'm visualizing you listening to a vinyl and like really listening to it. And it's interesting to me today because I, I feel like so many people don't really or it's rare when I meet people who will still listen to music just to listen to it for the pure joy of being in that moment with that music versus, hey, I'm going to run and listen to music or I'm going to work on my car and listen to music or I'm going to walk my dog and listen to music or do whatever, right? Or I'm going to work and listen to music, which I think is a little different. There's like a qualitative yeah. difference between sitting down and saying, let's listen to this. Yeah. Like we used to do things more like that before the internet era, because we had less to do, right? Like, like, what are we going to do? I guess let's sit down and listen to some music. You know, that actually was exciting and, and thrilling at the time. Now it's considered like, Oh, what? don't we just sit, not do anything while listening to music. It's kind of <laughs> funny how we've, uh, change like that. But yeah, I think doing things like, you know, you, you think about uh, people that talk about sitting on the porch swing at night and just doing nothing mm. but swinging and talking Who does that. But how healthy yeah. is that? How healthy is that yeah. for the brain, for relationships? So we, we definitely I, need to take time to just not do work a little bit. Yeah. I, I was reading a book recently where the author said something that kind of struck me. And he said that, and I don't know if it was the word relaxing or uh, uh, recharging or, or something like that is a responsibility. And that's something about that phrase that struck me. 
Because, you know, everybody says, oh, it's good. You should do it. Okay. Well, there's like 10,000 things on my list that are good that I know I should do. But, but he argued, no, resting. Oh, I think it's resting. Like resting is a responsibility. And uh, I'll just share. I struggle with that. You know, um, I love it once I finally let myself do it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not necessarily good about doing it as much as I should. Um, so I love that you have that that uh, you know that built into your built into your week. What uh, yeah. when, are there other ways that uh, you like to celebrate? If you have like something at home, or you know, you feel you've done a good job at something, do you ever reward yourself or do something nice for you? Just say, hey, you know. Uh, we made it through this period or we achieved this goal that I've been working on for several years. And do you ever just, what do you do to reward you? Um, let's say there's probably two things, you know, getting back to my vinyl records. <laughs> I I'm constantly ordering and I'm all into the vintage ones, right? Like was this pressed in 1968, you know, which pressing. Mm. So I, I, I collect, so that's kind of my outlet of, collecting you know my, my little hobby that's my hobby because i i own a recording studio here in a head in our headquarters and i don't even have time to really go down there and record very often so it's yeah. my and recording takes work and thought mm. and i need something that kind of steps me down and, and relaxes me so that but also i'd say I, I i try to celebrate um my my position as a ceo i guess by um giving myself time with my family. A, a lot of people don't get that. And I didn't always have that when I started the company. Um, and so I, I try to, I get off work 536. I try not to do much work um, until kids are in bed or sometimes at all for the rest of the evening. And, you know, we built a pool with our new house a couple of years ago and, you know, go home and say, kids, I'm home. Let's go get in the pool or let's, you know, go to sports or, and be try to be fully engaged in that, and that's sort of a way of saying, "All right, I've I've built this life. I have to enjoy it. I need. I I, I have to take care of myself." Or, like you said, it's a responsibility. I won't be mm-hmm. a great dad if if I'm never there, or if I am there, but I'm so stressed out and exhausted all the time that my kids can't stand being around me. Um, and I I, I wasn't always good at that because I think also to be a successful entrepreneur, you got to hustle. And there's yeah. times where you can't afford to hire somebody to do everything and you have to, it all ends up falling on you and you have a list that never ends and you feel like, how am I supposed to ever relax if that list is always there? I've never, exactly. I've never gotten rid of the list. Um, <laughs> you know, it keeps getting longer. Yeah. 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 So, so it actually, it, it relieves stress to work on the list, right? But then you're always working. And so 100%. I'd say this is the first time in the company in the last couple of years where I have a team that I really trust that's solid, that's yeah. working hard. That's that I can know is taking care of the business for the most part. Um, and that's something I, I got to celebrate and enjoy because it may not always be there, right? Like maybe we'll have an economic crash. Uh Oh, I can't afford all these people. I have to hustle again. So um, yeah, I guess I'm celebrating right now that I have a great team and I have a little bit of time to myself. So. You know, I love that. And, and you, yeah, you're the second owner that I've spoken with who has, and I, I just, it really means so much to me. Who said, "Hey, you know what? I celebrate by spending more time with my family." I mean, that's a needle mover right there. You know, I hope your kids hear that. I mean, that is the most valuable thing you can give to your kids is that time and to yourself. I mean, I, 
I don't know about you, but when I'm playing with my kids, I, I just, I'm in a different place, you know, uh, helps. It's just a, a joyful place. Kids are a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Uh, mm-hmm. but, uh, and being an engaged dad is, is, is a lot of work too. But when, when you're jumping in the pool together and you're playing or you're doing whatever, um, those are some of my favorite, favorite moments in life. And, um, I just love that. It's, uh, and, and, you know, so, so here's a question, right? You, you shared a lot of the reasons why I think owners struggle with that. What kind of advice would you give to the owner who's still maybe in the earlier part of that journey who feels everything that you shared? Like, Hey, my list is long. You know, I can't hire somebody to do this. I'm not there yet. Um, and like that, that's a reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you've got to hustle. You've got to put the hours in. You've got to work. And, Rest is a responsibility. How, what kind of, you know, having, having lived through that, any advice for somebody that's, you know, maybe 10 paces behind you? Yeah. I mean, I obviously haven't mastered it, but, um, I, I think, I don't think when, any of us have. <laughs> yeah. I think when, when people say to entrepreneurs, well, you just need to work less and take more time for yourself, they don't like that. And I don't like that too, because the answer yeah. isn't always work less. If I work right. less, then things might fall apart at the office and then I'm more stressed and it makes things worse. Um, so it's really, uh, I would say, budgeting time. And so there was a very long period where um, I would come home at about six o'clock, sometimes very tired, and I try to stay engaged with the kids. So they were in bed at roughly nine. And then I would get back on my computer and my laptop in my bed next to my wife. And we would talk while I'm working on other things. And sometimes that would be until 10, 11, 12, sometimes even one in the morning. Um, so it's, and then also trying to make time for exercise as hard as that can be. Um, and budgeting it in saying, I will, I'm going to get up. And at this time I'm exercising and you know what, if I do a crappy workout and it hits 10 or nine o'clock and I need to stop, I'm going to stop. Cause then I know I need to work. Um, yeah, I, I'd say telling an entrepreneur work less and just relax more is not the answer. <laughs> no, I hate hearing that too. And it's so easy yeah. to say, but it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. So, so maybe the answer is schedule it. Just make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes there will be, you got to sacrifice too. So there were times where I wasn't exercising three, four days a week. I was exercising one day a week, two days a week because I was just so tired because I was staying up and doing yeah. those late nights while my kids and wife fell asleep. Um, and that sucks, but it's like, it finally pays off. And I think we got to remember that, right? Why are we doing all this? Because mm-hmm. one day we hope to be in a balanced situation where we're in control balance we have time um if we don't ever get there then it's self-defeating but it takes time too we can't beat ourselves up like oh i've been an entrepreneur for three years and i still have no time for myself i must be failing i mean i've been doing this 12 years i'd say the last two years are the first time where i'd say i really feel like i finally got it got it down that's awesome question for you so uh in the you know in smaller innovative fast-growing entrepreneurial companies, it's vital, obviously, to encourage your team to have a willingness to try new things and fail. But on the other hand, as an owner, we also need to create a culture of results and accountability, right? So what's your your personal approach to how to balance that those two key values, if you will? It says the right people. And that doesn't always mean the most experienced and the most highly paid. 
diversity is good. We need diversity, right? But you also need people that think similarly. And so a lot of people are like, oh, it's great to have all these different opinions. Well, if, if, I, yeah, if, I, if I think his, all of his ideas are really bad, we're not going to work well together. And if, ever, if 80% of the things I allow him to do on his own don't work, I don't trust him and I can't let go of that. So um, there was an article I read. It was the founder of, um, not founder, but I think one of the early stage uh, CEOs of Netflix, maybe it was the founder, who said, you know, what are the top 10 things he's learned? And one of them he said was fire faster. It sounds really mm -hmm. brutal, but there are so many people that I've been like, wow, I can tell in the first two months, they're just not a good fit because I want to manage from from the idea of non-micromanagement, you go do your job, you come to me with ideas if you're worried that I may not like it, and I say, sure, go try it. I wanna let people do their thing. That's a healthy environment when you can just let people come up with ideas and do it, like they feel like mini entrepreneurs within the company. And that's how I wanna operate. I don't have time to micromanage people. Um, but it takes, I mean, I finally, I won't say the position, but there's a position here at the company where I'm finally through, I'm to my third person in that role. And I finally feel like I've got somebody really good in that role. Actually two roles like that. Um, and actually third person, <laughs> third time's a charm. It seems like I'm, I'm starting to think through these positions. I'm like, wow, it's the third person that I've had in a lot of these roles that finally really gets it, um, appreciates the opportunity, works hard. It's another thing for me. If somebody's kind of lazy trying to get by and, you know, those people don't work well with me because I just, I know I'm working. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't think they work well in business because it's competitive yeah. out there. You know, I don't know many yeah. businesses where you kind of just sit around and, oh, it's fine. But when you get that right person, that there's no better feeling. Um, and I think, unfortunately, I've been slow to fire a couple of people in my past that, uh, you're right. I, it was pretty clear early on there's an issue and you keep trying to work with them. And I, I'd say that's one thing I've learned the hard way early on in my career. And as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot better at it. And it's better for them too. I mean, how can they be happy if they're in a role where they're clearly not, not crushing it? Right. Yeah. And our hearts are like, oh, I want to help like grow this person. Right. Like, oh, hey, they just don't know. And I'm going to help grow them. And there's just some roles that just aren't the right fit. It, like you no. said, you're not helping them by trying to push the, the uh, square peg in the round hole either. Totally. Switching uh, gears a little bit here uh, and getting back to kind of the, the spirit of celebration. Sometimes we celebrate, like you said, by just giving somebody a high five or acknowledgement, uh, giving them a hug, um, shout out. Sometimes we give them gifts. Um, tell me a little bit about what maybe the best gift is that you've ever given somebody and the best gift that you've ever received. And you mean probably like an employee when you say given? Yeah. In, in business, it could be anything, but let's start with business. Um, maybe they don't see this as the best. I think a lot of them do actually. Um, I want to give people a, autonomy and freedom. I want them to feel like this is your baby, your department, your role. Go make it happen. Do it how you want to do it. You don't really have to ask my permission. Stay within budget. Um, I'll tell you if something kind of isn't sitting well, we can talk through it. But uh, overall, when you come to me with an idea, it's not to ask my permission. It's to bounce the idea off me. And I'll give you my advice. And then 
And, and I, I was lucky to work at a startup ish type company in Austin, um, in about 2010 that operated mm. this way. It was mm. a couple of brothers that started this company and they were just super laid back. Um, probably cause they were just raking in tons of money, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but they, they let people just kind of do their thing. And where did some people take advantage? Yeah. You had some people that would try to, you know, be a little lazy and things and they, they knew it though. And those people never lasted. And they just, the, the vibe was just very, if you want to work and make something of this opportunity, it's going to be great. If you don't, mm. you, you might last for a little bit until we figure it out and you move on. Um, and it was, it was a healthy environment. I, ever since I've been there, I've wanted to kind of recreate that a place where it feels like things are moving forward. Things are positive. Uh, people have freedom. People get a chip and ideas that get implemented immediately. Um, so anyways, I don't know if they see that as a gift, but I think it's a gift to work in an environment like that. And I'm sure I'm not perfect. They might trash talk me behind my back, but I think, I think a lot of them do appreciate that. Autonomy and freedom. I, I can tell you my teens would love that. <laughs> uh, and, you know, anybody who's been micromanaged would be the first to tell you, like, no, that, that, that's autonomy and freedom. That's what I want. Yeah. Interesting. I love it. Um, and you're right. I mean, in a small team, there's no secret. So eventually, if it's not working out, it, it you know, you, you figure it out. But, uh, yeah, get it. What about uh, gifts that you've received? Any anything stand out as being particularly memorable? Um, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm a person of faith, and so I, I believe that those that are are truly trying to uh, you know live a good life and work hard, that things work out. And I think you know God's looking out for us, and so I, I do see you know gifts from Him. I mean, the I would have never been able to probably start this and scale this without the help of the distributor. I, I see that. Th him answering the phone, getting along with me, buying cash, capital, all those things were just like, wow, this is kind of, I'm really lucky. Like, I, I can't just say, oh yeah, I did all that. I mean, sure I did. I made the phone calls, but I see that as a gift. Um, I also see mm -hmm. living, living in a pro-business country and even state of Texas being a gift. Um, there's so many regulations, taxes, costs, um, it was fascinating to me the <laughs> the first time I did my taxes. Uh, the company, what was it? The company I think netted. So not the first time I did my taxes. The first time the company profited, profited one hundred fifty thousand for the year. I took a hundred thousand of that, put it into new product inventory. So in my book, I thought I made fifty thousand. Go to the CPA and they're like, "You owe fifty thousand in taxes." You're like, oh. I was like, "Wait, what?" No, no, you're, you're doing you're doing my taxes wrong because what you're saying is that I built the American dream, got something off the ground that's making money, and I get to keep zero dollars. And they're like, exactly. And so, you know, I was pretty bummed about that. But now you look at, then I thought about, well, what it would it be like to live in New York or California, where I've got you know even higher taxes. That you know, I've I would have had a lot. Let's take out a let's take out a bank loan to pay my taxes this year, right? It would be one of those kind of situations. Now, obviously, I've I've learned, okay, with taxes in this country, we can only scale and grow so fast. I can only reinvest so much money because I have to keep some capital out for taxes. And it's tough in an inventory asset-based business. It's, it really is tough. But almost every other state and country in the world is worse than where I'm at. So I see that as a gift. 
Here, here. I'm glad we're in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you're right. There's a lot of other places that just strangle businesses with regulation and red tape and taxes and taxes are actually going up in 2026. So, uh, I feel your pain. Yep. Hey, Bryce, thank you so much for sharing your experiences, uh, sharing some good laughs, um, sharing part of your journey, you know, and, and, and some of the key moments that, uh, you know, served as real breakthroughs for you and also your advice around teams, just making sure you have the right people, what a difference that makes. So I hope everybody listening here has, has learned something. Uh, I think one of the biggest takeaways is, you know, make sure you have the right team and, and, and keep your faith. You know, whether you're a person of faith, um, whether you're not a person of faith, but but there's faith is deep in whatever way that you in whatever way that you relate to faith, but but keep the faith. Bryce, thank you for coming on today. I look forward to con to uh continuing to to cheer on and celebrate your success. And uh I look forward to to getting together with you soon. And thank you again for joining us here today. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, this has been fun and um, always fun to, to tell my story. And I, I, I don't consider myself someone to be giving advice, but yeah, hopefully there's a nugget in there for someone who, you know, is going through some of the similar trials that, that I guess I am, which I guess all CEOs are going through. So thanks again. This has been fun. Appreciate it. You, you betcha. Thank you for listening to the Celebrate Like a CEO podcast. If you are a successful business owner or CEO and want to be a guest on our show, be sure and reach out by sending me an email to stefan at whitwell.net and put celebrate in the subject line. We'd love to hear your story. If you like what you hear, please don't forget to share, subscribe, and leave a review. Be sure to tune in every Monday morning for a new episode. And remember, Celebration is the key to success without burnout.